It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I am amped up to talk with my guest today. Joining me for the second time is Richard Ruff, a top sales trainer, leading expert on major account selling, author of many books, including Mastering Major Account Selling, and co-author with Neil Rackham of one of the seminal books on the subject, Managing Major Sales. Today, we're going to talk about sales training, Dick and I, because I, I believe, and I think Dick does as well, that the existing model for sales training is largely broken. And this belief is being driven not only by what I see with sales reps that can't even seem to learn the basics, but also by changes in technology and maybe an acknowledgement of the research into learning that has existed for decades, saying that classroom training is not the most effective educational format for most people. So my guest, Dick Ruff, over the course of his career has seen it all, and today we're going to talk about why sales training needs to change, how it's going to change, and what it's going to look like in the future. So Dick, welcome to the show, or welcome back to the show. Well, thank you, Andy. It's a pleasure to be uh, another opportunity to talk with your audience. Well, great. So, yeah, maybe for somebody that didn't hear you the first time, is uh, maybe give a brief introduction to yourself. Sure, sure. Yeah, I started in the uh, sales training business uh, with Neil Rackham at Huthway. Uh, and when Huthway was just a startup in this country, Neil did his original work in, in England with Huthway Research Group and came to the United States to open division in, uh, in this country. So there were just two or three of us at the beginning. And I stayed there a, you know, a fair amount of time, so I had a chance to kind of do one of each. You know, I did a lot of the training and wrote some of the books with Neo, and towards the end, uh, you know, managed the sales team for Huthway. Then the, the big change occurred in 2000 when uh, my partner and wife um, decided to start Sales Momentum. And uh, kind of uh, the purpose of that, Andy, was, was really to look to see if we could design kind of a new generation of sales training that perhaps was a little bit better aligned with what we projected to be the needs of companies in the 21st century. So we've been keeping pretty busy trying to do that over the last 15 years. Uh, so that's kind of a a short story of our background. <laughs> okay. So Sales Momentum is your company with your, your wife. And so obviously she came from a sales background as well. Well, yeah, she's another uh, another PhD type. I, I have a background in organizational psych. And, and Janet's uh, work was with uh, uh, Xerox and uh, with GE. And then she was also a, a university professor in business strategy and marketing. Got it. So it's one of those husband and wife kind of companies that a lot of people say you shouldn't do, and we decided to do it, and it's turned out okay. And you're still married. And we're still married. Oh, excellent. Okay, good job. Good work. Yeah. So, um, all right, so you've been in sales training for a long time. I mean, sort of trace the arc of where you've seen the changes occur in sales training over your career, both from not just a technological standpoint, but in terms of a, a learning standpoint, you know, what I know theories have changed over time about how people best learn. Uh, what have you seen? Well, yeah, that's a, that's a good place to start, Andy. I, you know, I really think, you know, we're sort of at an inflection point. 
I honestly think if you look back 10 or 15 years and look at what was going on and compared to what was going on today, you'd be struck mostly by the similarities. So in spite of all the technological innovation we've had over that that period of time and the growth of the internet, I mean, the internet was basically five years old in 2000, right? I mean, uh, at least uh, browsers have been around about five years at that point. Yeah, yeah I, it seems sort of strange that the training would still be largely the same. Yeah, I mean, uh, granted, in the old days, you used overhead projectors, and now we have PowerPoints and things like that. But I think the inflection point is occurring just about right now in the last several years. Because I think, while there's a lot of similarity with the past, if you look at today, I think if you projected 10 years into the future, Andy, you'd be absolutely dazzled by the differences. I... I really believe that the, that the scope and scale of the changes that we're going to see in, in the next 10 years are, are really going to be characterized by words like innovative and exciting and, and perhaps even inspirational. So I think for everyone who, who is engaged in, in the sales training industry, uh, we're in for one of these hold on to your hat kind of rides. So why do you think that's the case? Given that given things have been relatively static, and given yeah. well, and also given, quite frankly, you know, if you read the reports, and as I'm sure you have, and I've looked at some, is that you know, there's a lot of skepticism about the value of sales training on the part of people that invest in it. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're right about the skepticism, Andy. I, you know, I think you don't have to look too deep to, to see that. But I think there are two or three things that are going to tr- drive that that change that I'm talking about, which, which I. As I said, believe it will be transformational. One is just the business environment. You know, I think today, you know, companies are going through absolutely disruptive changes in what they do. I mean, McKinsey just published an interesting article about the change in, in business over the, in the foreseeable future. And they were saying that the companies that are going to win are, are going to be the companies who who see not only how to improve what they do, but how to reinvent what they do. The, the changes will be that dramatic in what it will take to succeed. Well, if companies change, they'll change how they buy, which means companies that are on the vendor side of the table are going to have to change how they sell. And that means sales training becomes more important. So this inflection point that you're talking about is, and you're sort of saying it emanates originally from how people buy, so what are some of those changes you're seeing that are going to have an impact on how we sell? I mean, we've seen, obviously, you know, a lot of online buying, you know, fewer more of the relationships going to virtual relationships as opposed to yeah. you know, salespeople meeting the clients in person. I mean, what else are you seeing out there? Well, I, I think on the, on the business environment factor, I, I think the big, the big change can be characterized that I think the customers are going to expect their suppliers uh, and the sales representatives that represent those suppliers to be trusted advisors, not product facilitators. They're going to be looking for people uh, who are sales reps that can provide them real insight into their business. They want fresh ideas. They don't want somebody to come in and talk about a product. They can turn on their computer and learn everything they need to know about that. They can do that today. Imagine what they'll be able to do 10 years from now. So to me, the, the big the big, if you had to attach a, one thing to it, I think it's the shift from companies' expectations from a rep being a, a product facilitator to becoming a trusted inviter, 
advisor, and that means a whole new skill set. Yes, I think there are several other factors that are going to drive the change. I mean, the one you mentioned, Andy, jumps right off the table, and that's technology. Uh, there is no question that the technology, both on the on the customer side of the table to get information and on the seller side of the table, will be dramatic. And the technology to deliver sales training is going to be entirely different. Well, uh, well let's let's dig into the. the Let's go back to the trust advisor thing for a second, because yeah. not not that I necessarily doubt it. I mean, I, I've, <laughs> I mean, the book. Let's take the book, the trusted advisor. Yeah. Um, you know, which our friend Charles Green was participated yes. in the creation of. Is yeah, it's been around forever. Yeah. I'm sure you certainly knew, as did I, back in when I was first starting my sales career and and through the bulk of it before I started my own company, that. Positioning myself as the trusted advisor was the way to win. So it's 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 not like this is new, but what you're saying, I think what I hear you saying is that yeah, we always know really successful salespeople have done this, you know, positioned themselves this way, but now the customers are gonna say, look, everybody, if you wanna have a shot at me, everybody sort of needs to get on board this this train about being a trusted advisor. Yeah, the the notion isn't new, but I think the fact that it'll be more pervasive. And the level to which to which you'll be able to provide that kind of advice will be greater. So it's not that nobody's ever heard of being a trusted advisor before, but but tomorrow it's a must do. Yeah, there was a um, a guest I interviewed a few months ago on the show, a gentleman from Europe, Reggie Lemons, Lemons or Lemons, and a professor and owner of a consulting firm over in Europe, and he's written extensively about the future of sales and. And yeah, he even posits a future that sort of takes it one step further than you do. That the customers may actually get to the point where they they pay you for this advice that you give them in advance of buying from you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think one of the one of the questions that that uh, companies need to address with their sales force, for example, is what value is the sales force providing in addition to the products they sell? <laughs> and the perception is not much in many cases. No, I mean, they're out there selling the product. But I think in, as the future unfolds, Andy, the sales reps are going to have to provide value over and above the products they sell. That's being a true advisor. Right. I mean, Not- for example, we've talked about consultative selling forever. But you look at the number of reps that are really providing solid advice above and beyond the products they sell, those are few in number. Exactly. So I guess, guys, my question is for you is in that environment, and uh, you probably may remember because I think we talked touched on it last time. Is yeah, I'm a big advocate that yeah, I think this is absolutely a trend that's happening, and it really requires almost nothing less than really rethinking who gets hired into these positions, because <laughs> it seems like it's a really big gap to span to say, look, we're going to keep hiring sort of the generalists, the people with general knowledge that we have now, and expect that we as organizations can train them to have the insights and expertise and the acumen to become these advisors to the customers, as opposed to getting people with more formal training in some of the, you know, some of the fields that our customers are in. Well, I think that's right, Andy. I mean, I think if you really want to make this transition in a substantive way versus just kind of talking about it and doing it at the margin, then I think you have to look at it very holistically. You have to look at all the, the, the pieces of the puzzle that would affect that. 
Certainly selection. Are you going to select the same kind of people? I don't think so. You know, are you, are you going to design your territories the same way? No, I don't think so. What about the compensation system? Is that going to be the same? I don't think so. So I think there'll be a much more holistic and integrative look at, at how you achieve this trusted advisor role. That's training is one piece of it, but it's only one piece. But it is going to happen because the customers will demand it. Yeah, and I think that if you hearken back to uh, Rackham's book on rethinking the modern sales force, yes. he's very clear in there that if the channel can no longer add value to the buyer during the purchase process, then the channel's going to go away. Right. So, you know, we have these these studies going out going on that, you know, Forrester or somebody released about what is, it, you know, 20% of the business to business salespeople employed today are going to lose their jobs by the year 2020 because you know, that job's just going to go away. Not that they're, you know, anything wrong with them, but the job's just going to go away. But the the thought behind that is that, hey, is the way you maintain your job is you keep educating yourself and learning to be able to deliver something of value to your prospects and your buyers. Yes, and I think the other, the other factor in addition to the sort of business environment, trusted advisor factor is I think the target population for the, for the training is going to change. I mean, right now, millennials are about one-third of the workforce in the United States. In 2020, they'll be half. Well, I mean, one must be cautious about making these broad brush assessments of entire age cohorts. However, the millennial generation is a little bit different. I mean, they were brought up you know, with, with an iPhone in their hand versus a teddy bear. Uh, so they're going to demand a different kind of training. They, they want information, you know, anytime, place. They want it in, in microbytes. They expect it to be available on their telephone. That will mean that those of us who are concerned about training are going to have to think of different ways of delivering training rather than just in the classroom. Because the target population for the training will demand it, just like companies will demand uh, a more sophisticated seller than simply one who can come in and talk about the product. Okay. Well, hold that thought because we're going to come back and address that topic about what that future sales training looks like. And and I want to get into a conversation about a topic that's important to me. It's distinguishing between sales education versus sales training and the relative importance of one versus the other. So I'll be back with my guest, Richard Ruff, right after the break. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a 1,000 companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Okay, we're back. We're talking about, with my guest today, Richard Ruff, we're talking about the future of sales training we sort of stepped off the deep end a little bit with the future of sales and then how that relates to sales education or sales training, excuse me. So you're talking about 
right before the break, sales training, obviously classroom training. It's funny how people still insist on that. You know, I talk to clients about doing it and I say, okay, what are we going to do afterwards in terms of how we reinforce what, what they learned in the classroom? Still seems to be a concept that's uh, kind of foreign to a lot of people. Well, yeah, and, and, and again, you know, that's, that's talked about now, but, but tomorrow you're going to have to do that. If, if you're in the sales training business, you're going to have to have a way of, of, of making that happen. And if you're a, a training director inside a company, that's not a nice to do. I mean, I, I think there are going to be several principles that, that, will, that will impact how, how training is delivered. I, I think in the classroom, Andy, I think the only thing that's going to go on in the classroom is that which uniquely can occur in a classroom. Uh, and, and that's stuff that, that's pure skill development. It's practice and feedback stuff. But knowledge transfer. Well, but even that we're seeing now is your role plays are being done virtually as well. I've seen tools. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and that technology, you'll be able to do certainly beginning exercises virtually. So the amount of training that will have to be delivered in the classroom will be significantly diminished in the future. Will there be some, of course, very high level um, kinds of experiences can be delivered in the classroom. But will there be less of it than today? You bet. I think, you know, you're going you're gonna to have to have ways of delivering it online. There'll be custom apps where a rep can get that piece of information they need right before they go on the sales call. So you think this contextual training, if you will, or contextual reinforcement is one of the trends that, that is going to come take hold here? Oh, I don't think there's any question about that, Andy. I mean, I think whatever you do in the training, the, the training it will have to be viewed as an ongoing sort of thing, whereas today it's sort of an event. We think in terms of programs. We, we speak in terms of one- and two-day you know, events. In the future, I think it'll be much more of a continuous thing. Yes, there might be some programs done, but there will there'll also be – online applications that you can go to to reinforce that training and that, that the coaches can use as resources for their reps to use. I, I think there'll be much more peer-to-peer kind of, of learning occurring. One of the things about the millennial generation is they're much more collaborative than previous generations. So they're going, there's going to be the opportunity to have one set of new hires help the next set of new hires because the technology will be there to easily drive that kind of learning. Oh, yeah, and you see some of that already today. No question, no question. Uh, and take, take something that maybe is a little further out, but think about the, what's going to happen with virtual, with virtual reality. There's a technology that's being worked on today, granted in a very nascent way, but you take somebody like a Microsoft with their HoloLens technology. I don't think it's, it's out of the question, Andy, that you could envision six or seven years from now that, that a medical company could train their cardiac reps by having them actually walk through a heart in, in, in a virtual reality mm-hmm, mm-hmm. environment. So you could actually see, okay, what's the effect of implanting a, a stent? so that the reps could actually walk through a human heart. Now, that's a little different. Hmm. I like that. And, and I think that technology 
in its in its beginning states are already there. And I think the explosion with that will be dramatic. Um, there was a recent article in Wired magazine that did say that virtual reality is the next smartphone. Right. Yeah, I saw and, that article. Yeah. Yeah. That. And to me, that's going to be exciting. But that takes that takes people with vision to change the way they're delivering training. Yeah, I mean that's right. What we're going to see is a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of crap up front with it until people really understand how to use it. Yeah, I, no question. You know, it, it, it there'll be and it'll be more costly. Uh, the uh, the actual. Equipment that used uh, to make it happen today is still pretty clumsy. But think about 10 years, it'll be a whole different world. That technology will, will absolutely grow exponentially. Right. So what, what you're envisioning, and I think that's certainly a lot of validity into it, is that less of sort of overall classroom training, and we're already seeing this trend toward, toward apps, what I call contextual apps, that, yeah, hey, you're getting ready to go into... A sales call, you can dial up a short video, a reminder video, or an audio lesson, something to sort of, you know, you can spend a few minutes with to walk you through sort of the challenges you might be having. Perhaps even, you know, call up one of your old uh, calls that you made on this customer because, you know, more and more companies are getting into recording both their telephone calls as well as their in-person calls with reps. And maybe go over the last call you had with them and, you know, retrieve the coaching notes that you got from your manager who listened to that call when you got back. All in preparation in your car, perhaps before you're going to see the client, or in a minute or two before you get on the phone with them. I think that's right, Andy. I, I think I think that I think that's exciting. I mean, just think about it. Would you rather be sitting in a classroom with with some person standing in front of the room with with a hundred PowerPoint slides, or would you like training to be delivered in real time, no matter where you are, on your on your iPhone? Well, that's not much of a choice. Yeah, I think it's really, it's going to be a combination of both. You see training serving at two levels. One is, I think the one right before you go on the call, like that's, that's going to be, that's I call that's contextual. That's going yes. to be reinforcement. You know, you're, hopefully in the minute or two before you go into a call, you're not learning something new because you're not going to have time to integrate that into whatever you do. But even the more basic sales training that might have been classroom could certainly be done as self-paced. And we're seeing Already, applications come on the market like MindTickle and others that that can integrate with this learning so that they can uh, give a score. Like, you know, how ready are you as a new rep through your onboarding process to actually go out and interact with customers? Right. And, and the other thing to me to always keep in mind is that even if you look at, at what the very best are doing today, I mean, they're doing some exciting stuff even today, but it's really isolated. The, the average company is not doing that. The average company is still doing pretty much what they've been doing for a long time. <laughs> well, I think one of the things that's, that's really the gap that's missing, and I, people listen to the show frequently probably rolling their eyes as I start to get into this topic, but to me there's a real difference between sales education or sales learning, if you will, versus sales training. Yes. Right? I mean, sales training is very skills-oriented, right? We sort of brute force application of tactics and other things. <laughs> but But – you know, beneath all that, there's there's this wisdom about how people make decisions, uh, how you build relationships, how you build rapport that aren't necessarily hard skills or tactical skills. These are things that you need to have some perspective on. You need to you know read broadly and, and deeply in some cases, and and it seems like that is that is one issue that 
yeah, we can have all the technological innovation we want, and we touch a certain level of the training. But the development of the whole person, you know, the acumen and the expertise behind it, that seems like that's still still lacking. You know, and I, and I you know, I've got some test programs going with clients where, you know, I've provided them a curriculum of, of books to read about sales and marketing and decision-making and so on, and, and reading guides for the books. And what they do is actually allocate time during the business day, 15 minutes during the business day, for their salespeople to read. Because if you leave it to them outside of work, they don't read. And suddenly their people now are getting exposed to all this thought, different thought perspectives about selling, buying, and so on that really reinforces the tactical training they get. Uh, I think that's absolutely absolutely right. And I, I just had a meeting last week with a group of sales managers, and, and, I, and I was saying, you know, to what degree do you, do you recommend to your sales team that they ought to leverage all the smart stuff that's presently being available to a rep, uh, again, just on their iPads? And they weren't doing it at all. They, they, they were not resourcing that kind of thing to their sales reps. I mean, you, you can go even today to just simple apps like Apple News or Flipboard mm-hmm. and, and, and the collection of articles that are there every day are really informative. I mean, sales managers need to be doing that. They need to be resourcing that to their sales reps. If you just read Apple News and 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 Flipboard stuff on sales and sales training every day, you'd be a lot smarter. Yeah, well, and that's what we're we're doing with this program with the the books. And you can ask, uh, and I've done this, and I know other thought leaders do as well as in sales leaders when you are interviewing somebody for a sales position and you ask them, okay, well, which sales book have you read in the last 30 days? The answer is, you know, pretty much always never, none, right? Right. So what's really important, I think, is is this issue of commitment to continuous learning, which really focuses on providing the why behind the how. Right now we just teach people how, and we don't teach them why. Yeah, and, and the thing is that, that stuff is is available even today. And, and so the, the trick will be to, to expose a wider group of people to what is available and what will become available because it'll be more and more accessible. It'll be easier to tap into. So we who are on the, on the side of, uh, of sales training need to help clients do that. The, the other thing, you know, in that general area that I think is kind of interesting and and there's a little bit of debate about this, but I think universities may play a different role in the future. You know, right, right now, if you look at, at, at uh, universities that are provided massive online training, mm-hmm. there are some major players. I mean, the MITs and the Harvards are in that business. A lot of the stuff now is, is free, but some of it is, is now being, uh, you know, done for pay. So, you know, Institutions like Georgia Tech, for example, they, they offer a master's degree in computer science online. Well, I don't think it's out of the question that in five or six years, uh, major universities will be offering degrees in selling online. Well, yeah, there's, I think, about 45, I think, that offer bachelor degrees of some sort in sales today in yeah. you know, conventional classroom. But yeah, it stands to reason that that you would see some of that migrate to online for sure. 
No, no question. Because it's, again, the technology will make it easier to use. It'll make it more exciting. Some of the, some of the online stuff now is, you know, still, you know, a little bit on the, on the tedious side, but that won't be true in the future. The technology is, is, is growing again exponentially. So it'll be really exciting stuff uh, to go through versus just sitting watching, a, again, PowerPoints online. I mean, there'll be better stuff than that. Well, so is one of the trends you think that the undergraduate degree programs in sales, sales management, will become more important, actually have more perceived value? I mean, that's it's one of the things that's sort of interesting. They're really flying under the radar now, other than maybe Kansas, Kansas State and a couple other programs. You know, those of us who are deeply involved in the sales business, yeah, we'd sort of know about it a little bit, but we don't know that much about it. And in terms of, you know, hearing about them, seeing innovation coming out of that, seeing the the professors that, that run those programs, you know, writing innovative books or new tomes about, you know, future sales and so on. So it seems like that has to change, right? No question. And, and I think I think they won't be under the radar anymore. I mean, and, and partly just by sheer economics. Think of the number of undergraduates that graduate from our universities each year that go into sales. Well, it's astronomical. So why not provide courses where you can get an undergraduate degree, particularly if you could do it online? And the other advantage of that for, for sales and for sales training, once the universities get involved, the credibility goes up because universities still hold credibility. And historically, um, if you go back, say, 10 years again, I mean, nobody talked about sales in universities at all. Yeah, I mean, it was one chapter in a marketing book. Yeah, pretty much, right. And so tomorrow, I think universities will buy into it if for no other reason than pure economics, the market will be there for students who want to become credentialed in sales. And if you can do it online, that means it'll be affordable and, and accessible to a wider population. So I think you'll see a much more acceptable and a much more pervasive engagement of universities in, in sales education. All right. Well, you, you said something that triggered a thought, so I'll, I'll make this the last question of the session here. Is, is You talked about credentials. So what do you see and what do you forecast in terms of the importance not of only of a university credential, but certifications for sales reps? You know, we see a little bit of it now, but what do you see as becoming something that could take hold? You know, Lots of other professions have certifications, obviously. You know, professional services that we work with, you know, CPAs, lawyers, doctors, and so on. Is there something in the future like that that you see for sales? Yes, and, and I, think that, I think the critical player uh, is universities. I don't think you'll see that unless the u- universities become players. But I was, talking about prof- I was talking about professional certification beyond the degrees, though. I mean, do you see a, like, much like there's American Medical Association, you know, hey, an American Sales Association, and you're You've got your college degree in sales, and if you want to, you know, work in certain industries, you've got to pass this exam. Uh, I, I'm not sure about that one. Uh, That I think you might see that in some specific specialties in sales, but I, I'm not sure about the pervasiveness of that. Again, unless universities, that has to come first. 
There has to be I agree. Yep. there has to be a credibility of getting degrees from universities before I think you would have a, the licensing occur. All right. Very interesting. Well, well, Dick, it was great to talk to you again as usual. Um, I'm going to spare you my standard questions I asked you last time that I always torture my, my guests with at the end of the show. But uh, any final thoughts or comments about sales training before we sign off? Well, I think only that uh, I think the next 10 years for, for those of us who are engaged in the sales training industry, either as, as consultants or, or as inside training directors, uh, it, it's going to be an enormous number of opportunities to do innovative work. And, and you're only delimited by your own imagination because I think the technology will be there. I think that the uh, demand will be there. So it's an exciting time, I believe, to be in the field of sales training. Yeah, and I would, I would concur. And I would say that research has known for a long time that the way people most effectively consume new information or acquire new knowledge is in smaller bites, and that's reinforced frequently. And heretofore, the technology hasn't really existed in an integrated fashion to be able to make that a reality. Now it is. And as you said, if we get innovative people taking the lead on it, we're going to see a lot of transformations. And hopefully for most people in the sales profession, a lot fewer <laughs> classroom training sessions than they have to, with PowerPoint slides, than they have to be uh, submitted to now. Well, yeah, again, I mean, I think if uh, it'll be a challenging time, I think there'll be some winners and losers. No question, as there are always when you have challenging times. But the opportunity will be there if you if you take the risks, if you if you make the investment. Uh, I I think you have the potential to actually make a contribution. Great. So, Dick, tell people how they can find out more about you and sales momentum. Well, you could uh, you could do a couple of things. You could take a, a a peek at our website, salesmomentum.com, and the the second area we. We write a blog every, uh, every week uh, on salestrainingconnection.com. So that's another place to go. And on there, you can download uh, free some, some of the ebooks we've written uh, as additional uh, background on, on some of the research that we've done in, in best practices. So those would be the two best ways, salesmomentum.com and for the blogs, salestrainingconnection.com. Great. Well, great. Well, thank you again for being on the show. And friends, remember, make it part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And an easy way to do that is to make this podcast, Accelerate, a part of your daily routine, whether on your morning commute, in the gym, or perhaps you make it part of your morning sales meeting. Then you'll make sure you don't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Dick Ruff, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me, and until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com. <laughs>